and it's going to be great, okay? So don't get confused when you get to the bottom of the page, and I'm still just jabbering on and on and on and on. Okay. I'm dressed like a preacher, but I got my happy socks on. See? <laughs> there they are. Yeah. It's amazing what you can do when you play as a team. Ha, huh, what a concept. Shout out over there to Nancy Hurlbut, okay? Nancy, who knows about YouTube. You saw that in the email, I think, this week, you know, that I'm busy figuring out how to turn my phone off. You know, if you double-click, you can, well, anyhow. But Nancy's over there saying, you know, the, the, the Love Series is on YouTube. You go, girl. That's what I like, you know. My mother in her 80s is probably one of the most avid, you know, Facebook people in the world. It's pretty incredible. So uh, thank you for that. I'm glad to be here to talk to you about, oh, man, in fact, I forgot. Sorry, I, I, don't, I don't know what came over me. I, I got so excited about being here that I, I forgot my bucket of anger and my list of wrongs. I don't go anywhere without these, you know, because, well, you, you know, they're, they're just kind of part of my life. I, I imagine some of you, you know, uh, brought it in, dumped it there on the seat next to you. Uh, you just kind of brought it in yourself. Probably not as pretty as mine, maybe not as big as mine, but I'll bet they're there, aren't they? Hey, we're going to talk about anger. And, and anger and its younger brother unforgiveness or list of wrongs uh, are probably the two most uh, deadly combination in all of our lives. They destroy marriages, they destroy churches, they destroy all kinds of relationships, they destroy families. When our buckets of anger and our lists of wrongs are big and around us all the time, they are incredibly destructive. So how are we going to define anger? Well, I gave you a quick, here's a thought. It's an intense emotional reaction. Uh, sometimes we express it outwardly. Sometimes we just kind of hold it inside. And anger really fundamentally is just an emotional readiness to aggress. But aggression is not always a bad thing. And we're going to learn that, I hope, here in a minute. The verses in Ephesians 4... Uh, Two or three of them there are very confusing to me. I mean, look at this. Be angry and don't sin. Well, cool. <laughs> See, God likes my bucket. <laughs> okay. Be angry and don't sin. And then he gets down a verse or two later and he says, get rid of all your anger. Well, God, make up your mind. Do you want me to be angry? Or do you want me to get rid of all my anger? And God says, yes. I wrote it that way on purpose. So let's take a look at the first part. Let's take a look at be angry. It's an anger that is righteous. Let's take a look at a few individuals uh, oh, and God <clears throat> throughout Scripture who have demonstrated righteous anger. And then we'll see if we can find some common threads throughout what's happened to them. Okay, uh, Psalm 7.1 uh, 11, excuse me. Uh, God is a righteous judge, a God who expresses his wrath every day. First and foremost, God is angry. God hates sin. And he expresses that wrath every, every day. Be angry. Be like God. Be angry like Moses. Let's go back here to Exodus. They've come out of the 
out of bondage and they're wandering through the desert and everything seems to be going really, really well. Uh, the people are a little unsettling and a little rebellious, but Moses is up on the mount and he's receiving the Ten Commandments and all the law, the God-given law from God himself face to face. Meanwhile, down at the base of the mountain, the Israelites are acting like Israelites. And when Moses comes down off the mountain and he finds that they have gathered all of the uh, gold that they have in camp and they've fashioned an idol and they're worshiping the idol, uh, then in uh, Exodus 32, 19, Moses approached the camp and he saw the calf and the dancing in his anger burned and he threw the tablets out of his hand, breaking them against the mountain. And God says, this is good, man, because I don't like what they're doing in there too. In fact, God wanted to just smoke them right there at the base of the mountain. Uh, and Moses had to go, God, God that's not going to look good back there in Egypt. So how about not doing that? Okay, look, 1 Samuel, a guy you wouldn't think ever exercised righteous anger, but 1 Samuel 11, we come across Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel. They didn't really need a king, but they wanted a king. So we picked out Saul. And, and Saul's leading the country. And uh, in, Psalm, in 1 Samuel 11, the country is under siege. This is really Saul's first chance to come out and, and be the kingly warrior. And, and there's a whole bunch of verses there, you know, that says, uh, uh, well, we'll just read it. Okay. Nashosh the Ammonite went up and besieged Jabash Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to him, Make a treaty with us, and we'll be subject to you. But Nahash the Ammonite replied, I will make a treaty with you only on the condition that I gouge out the right hour of every one of you and bring disgrace on all Israel. The elders of Jabesh said to him, Give us seven days so we can send our messengers throughout Israel, and if no one comes to rescue us, we'll surrender to you. And when the messenger came to, to Gibah of, of Saul and reported the terms of the people, they all wept aloud, and just then Saul returned from the fields behind his oxen, and he asked, what is wrong with the people? Why are they weeping? And then they repeated to him what the men of Jabesh had said. And when Saul heard their words, the Spirit of God, not just Saul, the Spirit of God came upon him in power, and he burned with anger. And he took a pair of oxen, cut them in pieces, and sent the pieces by messengers throughout Israel, proclaiming, this is what will be done to the oxen of anyone who does not follow Saul and Samuel. <laughs> Subtle email. Um, but he discovered something and, and the Spirit of God came on him in that moment and he burned with anger. And it was pretty, pretty dramatic. Not nearly so dramatic. Go a few more books over to the right and get to Nehemiah. Little book there just before you get to the Psalms. This is after the captivity, you know, where the nation of Israel was taken into captivity. Jerusalem is, is sitting desolate out there in the desert. They're trying to rebuild Jerusalem and re-inhabit Jerusalem. And Nehemiah has a real heart for it, and so he wants to come and, and assist them in doing this. But their, their biggest problem is not the enemy around them. The biggest problem is some of the selfish Jewish leadership right inside the community. Uh, Nehemiah 5, verse 1. Now the men and the wives raised a great outcry against their Jewish brothers. Some were saying, we and our sons and daughters are numerous. In order for us to eat and stay alive, we must get grain. 
Others were saying, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our homes to get grain during the famine. Still others were saying, we have had to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. Although we are of the same flesh and blood as our countrymen, and though our sons are as good as theirs, yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. And some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to them. And when I, Nehemiah, when I heard their outcry and these charges, I was very angry. I pondered them in my mind and then accused the nobles and the officials. And I told them, you are exacting usury from your own countrymen. And on and on he went. When he came and heard that even their own brothers who happened to be in positions of authority were taking advantage of them, Nehemiah became incredibly angry and immediately after pondering it a bit, confronted the leadership and said, you're a bunch of weenies. Okay, that's a, that's a translation. Okay. Oh, go over to the New Testament. I know you were waiting for that. Let's get to Mark. Mark 3. Easier to find. Matthew, Mark. It's Jesus. Jesus is angry. Mark 3, verse, uh, verse 1. And another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there and some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. And then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they remained silent. And Jesus looked at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Jesus got angry. One more, John 2. Somewhat familiar to you probably. John, uh, John records that Jesus is entering the temple in Jerusalem to worship. And when he gets there, this is the account of, of the issue. The, the money changers are there. People traveling from a distance really couldn't bring their own animals always, so they brought money and purchased animals, and they were being cheated there. And when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and in the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. And so he went off, and he made himself a whip out of cords. First recorded instance of macrame. Okay, right there. And he made a whip out of cords and he drove all of the temple, or drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle, and he scattered the coins and the money changers and overturned their tables to those who sold doves. He said, get out of here! How dare you turn my father's house into a marketplace? Jesus was angry. God's angry, Moses was angry, Saul was angry, empowered by the Holy Spirit, Nehemiah was angry, Jesus was angry, Jesus was angry. Be angry. But let's figure out what we can find is the common thread in all of these righteous anger moments. In all of them, the goal of righteous anger was to end evil, to stop suffering, to correct an injustice, fundamentally just to deal with sin. Next, fill in the blank. One of the two most important on the entire both sides of this sheet. Righteous anger solves the problem. It attacks the problem. 
Nehemiah saw the problem. And after he got angry and pondered, he confronted the leadership and said, Stop it! Jesus confronted the problem. All of your rules are driving me crazy because they're not from God, they're from you. I've got a man here who needs to be healed. And almost in his anger and grace, Jesus heals him. And then, of course, that temple scene, he addressed the problem. After Jesus got through clearing the temple, it wouldn't have surprised me at all if he had been able to just say, Fred, uh, you want to go out to lunch and talk about what happened here? <laughs> you know, because I could see that confused look on your face. I'd love to explain it to you. Because Jesus was solving and attacking the problem. And righteous anger arrives slowly, leaves quickly. Righteous anger arrives slowly, be slow to anger, and it leaves quickly, get rid of your anger. God is righteous and holy and he's in perfect control of his anger. He gets angry slowly and he stays that way only as long as necessary for justice and righteousness to prevail. Uh, Psalm 145. The Lord is gracious, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. I love the song that we sang that Arthur sang uh, just for the offering. Pain comes in the night. Joy comes in the morning. Because sometimes God is angry and it's painful, but he's gracious. Psalm 35 says, For his anger lasts only for a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Righteous anger solves the problem, attacks the problem. It arrives slowly, it leaves quickly. Okay, so righteous anger. Be angry. Got it. Thanks. Then Paul says, get rid of all anger. Okay, what anger is that, Paul? He says, it's the anger that's sinful. He says, you know, even, even righteous anger can be sinful when I don't get rid of it quickly, when I allow it to just, I overindulge in it. This kind of feels good. I, I, like, I hold it way too long because all of a sudden it crosses a threshold from being righteous and against, uh, about the problem and turns into me. Because me-based anger is always sinful. Here, let's take a few examples. Let's look in Genesis Four and look at Cain. There's a man of some, some sinful anger. Genesis four. You're, you know, undoubtedly familiar with that story. Cain and Abel. Adam lay, starting in verse one of chapter four. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And she said, "With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man." And later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. And in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering of the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of the flock. And the Lord looked with favor on his flock, and the Lord, uh, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was out downcast. We don't know. It, it seems obvious God's not a guy to trick anybody. I, I would imagine that God told them both what an acceptable sacrifice was. And, he, and either, you know, Cain just said, well, I think God's probably wrong, or I just don't want to do it that way, or I haven't, 
I'd have to, I'd have to talk to my brother to get a lamb. I, whatever reason, Cain chooses not to do it the right way, and his sacrifice is not accepted, and he gets angry. Why? Because he was rejected. No one likes rejection. That's a me-based experience. And God looks at him and says, why are you angry? <laughs> Even God, what's the matter with you, boy? Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, there is still a moment to recover this, Cain. If you do what is right, will not you be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door and it desires to have you. You must master it. Me-based anger like Cain's, and in his case, one of the most, one of the most uh, common sources of me-based anger is this hurt in the form of rejection very often. God, Jim, Deb, Pastor Dale, you rejected me. And the emotional pain of that is so bad that I just want to take you out because I attribute that to you. And I get angry at you. And, and God says, be careful, Jim. Sin's crouching at the door there in this moment. It, it's just waiting for you. Get, deal with this in a righteous way. Cain did not. Sin did get him. And he innocently killed his brother. Because very often, me-based anger plays out that way. Let's take a look at another one. 1 Kings. 1 Kings 21. Ahab. Jezebel and Ahab. They are not very nice people. But they are the king and the queen, and it's good to be the king. Uh, Except in this case, First <laughs> uh, Kings 21. Sometime later, there was an incident involving a vineyard that belonged to Naboth, the Jezreelite. The vineyard was in Jezreel, close to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And Ahab said to Naboth, Let me have your vineyard to use for a vegetable garden, since it is close to my palace. And in exchange, I'll give you a better vineyard. Or if you prefer, I'll pay you whatever it's worth. But see, this is family. This is family land. And Naboth replies, The Lord forbid that I give you the inheritance of my father. So Ahab went home sullen and angry because Naboth the Jerusalite had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay in his bed sulking and refused to eat. And his wife Jezebel came in and asked him, Why are you so sullen? Why haven't you eaten? And he answered, because I said to Naboth the Jezreelite, sell me your vineyard, or if you prefer, I'll give you money. And he wouldn't do it. Good job. Jezebel says, is this the way a king acts? Well, apparently. You know, sometimes we get angry because we're just stinking selfish. I want it. I want it, and you won't let me have it. You're not doing it the way I want you to. And then we get angry. And that is always going to be sinful angry, anger. And sin is going to sit at the door and wait for you to decide what you're going to do. Oh, here's Jonah. Let's slip over. Oh, it's a little book. You're going to have to search for it there. You know, we'll put it up there on the screen. You know, I, I may even, I may even, nope, close call. Now I look pastoral. I found it. Okay, Jonah, the fourth chapter, you know Jonah. You know, God says to Jonah, I want you to go preach to the, you know, the Ninevites and, and, and save those horrible people. And Jonah, no, 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 I don't want to do that. And he runs away. And the ship, you know, across the Mediterranean and thrown over the side and the big fish and pukes him up on the beach. Okay, but here, 
After all is said and done, that's not the important part of this story. Jonah finally says, okay, okay, I'll go preach to them. And he did. And he preached. And the king and all of the city of Nineveh came to faith. Chapter 4, verse 1. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Oh, Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was quick to flee to tarnish. I knew you were gracious and a compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love of God, you know, who relents in sending calamity. Now, God, take my life away, for it is better for me to die than to live. God says, what right have you got to be so angry? Because I wanted them to be smashed and grinked to the ground, and you're a God, and you love them, and you didn't punish them. And now he's angry. Because... He's not in control of the situation. He's frustrated. I know what I want to do, and you didn't cooperate. You didn't do it. I'm not in control of the situation. And it's very, very frustrating to me. And finally, for this morning, the Pharisees, let's visit them in Mark 3. You've already been there. Mark 3 is where Jesus healed that man's hand. And he was angry that they had such, the Pharisees had such a rotten attitude about the whole thing. Pick up at verse 5. And he looked around at them, Jesus, in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched out the hand, was completely restored. And the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. They were in fear. They felt threatened. Everything that they'd established, everything that they stood for, everything they were comfortable with was being shaken up by the presence of Jesus. And when we're afraid, when we don't know what's going to happen, we get angry. Cain had anger because he was hurt and rejected. Ahab had anger because he was just selfish and he didn't get what he wanted. Jonah was angry because he wasn't in control of the situation. The Pharisees were angry because they were afraid. There was fear in their lives. Let's see if we can find the common thread between those four examples. What is the goal of sinful anger? The goal of sinful anger is to hurt the person. Attack the person. It's not about the problem. That's there somewhere. But it's about the person. The Pharisees wanted to go out and kill Jesus, the person. Poor old Naboth eventually got murdered by Jezebel so that her hubby could have his vineyard. Because it was anger at the person. Sinful anger is always about the person. It, controlling the person. Manipulating the person. Getting your five-year-old to put on their shoes before they go to preschool? Anger? Put your shoes on, Johnny! What's that about? That's, let's see, I'm out of control of the situation, and I'm afraid I don't look like a good parent. And, and so we get angry at the person. We're not dealing with the problem. Sinful anger attacks the person. It controls and manipulates the people. It protects me. It's not about doing something better in the world. 
It's not about making the temple a place of worship and prayer. It's about protecting me. You hurt me, said Cain, and now I'm going to lash out at you, God, and I'm going to lash out at my brother. And he was an innocent victim. You know, anger really is just a response to how your mind interprets all the data that your five senses picks up. Now, it doesn't happen as slowly as you'd like. Wouldn't you like it to be in slow motion? Okay. Johnny's not got his shoes on to go to preschool. Five emotions, you know. Listening and interpreting all of that stuff. Little Johnny says that. That makes me feel like I'm inadequate. He's rebellious against me. He's, he's, and when we get all that information, then our mind goes, interpret, interpret. Aha! You know, wouldn't it be great if we could slow down like Jesus? Because Jesus always interpreted life correctly. Every situation he interpreted in the proper way. Something like this probably ran through his head. Is this situation worth my attention? Is this situation worth my attention? Hmm. Is my anger about this situation, apparently I should pay attention to it, is my anger about this situation justified? Am I going to attack the problem or am I going to attack the person? Oh, oh, oh. okay, one more thing. Do I have the right or the ability to change the situation? Because if we're going to do righteous anger, which is about attacking the problem, I have to have some right or some ability to actually help change the problem. So Jesus probably confronted every situation and just in the instant of godly fast went, is this worth my attention? Yes, no. Uh, is my anger justified here? Uh, yeah, that's the way we need to get this done because there's a problem here. Do I have the right or the authority to change this problem? And in Jesus' case, the answer was always yes. Not so much you or me. Okay, there's a sequence. Hey, unresolved issues often hinder your interpretation. It is really, really, really hard sometimes to interpret life when you've got a bunch of emotion that's playing at the same time. Anger is very often just the manifestation of the deeper issues in your life that have never been resolved. Okay, this is, this is now we're going to start the second hour of eight because I could spend, you know, the next three or four just on this one alone. But listen, anger is often just the manifestation of a deeper issue that has not been resolved. Now, I'm going to run a list of words. You listen for those words and see if you don't or haven't seen those other people. Okay. Have I gone away? Respond in anger because of one of these. Rejection. Guilt. Shame. Fear. Embarrassment. Confusion. Frustration. Humiliation. Failure. Feelings of being trapped. Used. Controlled, betrayed, or misunderstood. Every one of those has to do with me. I can totally resolve every one of those words I just spoke out loud with me and God, which is the incredible thing about our relationship with Jesus. Every one of those, shame, fear, embarrassment, confusion, they can all be resolved with God. But when I don't give him the opportunity and they just sit there, they really add to the way I interpret. And very often you'll find anger busting out of those very things. Feelings follow beliefs. 
You act angry because you think angry and you feel angry. No one is born angry. Well, that's just the way I am. No, that's not just the way you are. Okay? God can't hold you accountable for anger in this case if that's just the way you are and it's out of your control. And so he says, be angry and don't sin. And then he says, get rid of it. Oh, so it's not just the way I am. Nope, sorry, can't use that one. Nothing and no one, you'll like that one, nothing and no one can make, 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 underline, make, circle, underline, can make you angry. They can't do it. They just provide the situations. They give you an opportunity to interpret and take an action. No one can make you angry. And again, because God says, be slow to anger. And, okay. What do we tend to do with sinful anger? See how we're spending a whole lot of time on sinful anger? Yeah. Uh, because we needed to different, you know, God will really, really like to help you with righteous anger. He's all about that because he wants to fix problems and he, and he hates sin and he wants you to, you know, be a part of that. But we tend to be all caught up in the sinful anger part. What do we tend to do with sinful anger? First, we blow up. You know the blow-uppers, okay? The problem with anger is that it may lead you to lose control and lash out with foolish words and deeds that you intend to hurt others, because remember, sinful anger attacks the people and may be regretted later. Always is. And the body God gave you really makes this hard, too. Because the body's just stupid, okay? It just listens for the brain, and then it does whatever the brain tells it to do. And so when the brain sends it a signal and says, be fearful or be angry, then the body says, duh, got it, man. And the adrenal glands kick in and the heart rate goes up and, the, and you sweat and your stomach, all the blood goes from your stomach to the other. It's just, whoo! It's kind of like going on a hot date as a teenager, okay? And that's why God says, I need you to be slow to anger. Because once you get those emotions stirred up, they tend to take over. And you blow up because that's just what my body is telling me to do. Even though I don't want to do that sometimes. So there's those who exercise their sinful anger by blowing up. There are those who do it by clamming up. I'm not angry. You don't hear me yelling. You don't see me throwing things. That's not the definition of anger. We're instructed in the scripture to get rid of our anger. Instead, sometimes we just put it in a bucket and carry it around with us. We let it build up into bitterness and grudges. I may not say anything, but my heart is full of malice and I just want you to hurt. Maybe I get an opportunity to hurt you. Maybe someone else will get to hurt you. And I could just really enjoy it. Because, see... I don't blow up with my anger. You don't even know I have it. I just kind of carry it around. And when your foot's right there, I just kind of drop it. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. The silent treatment, passive, passive aggressive, you know, behaviors, those are all, or not all, they tend to be expressions of clammed up anger. I've worked over the last 20 years with spouses who have stored up years of unspoken anger. 
They walk around for 19 years, 11, 29 days, you know. And then one day it blows up because clam up always blows up. And then it's, where did that come from? Well, if you don't know, then there's... Okay, and off we go into the world of marital counseling. What do we do with sinful anger? We tend to either blow up or clam up, and neither one is good. Neither one results in a positive God-honoring thing. What's the impact of sinful anger? Anger always has a cost. Anger will always have a cost. Sinful anger will always have a cost. It will alienate you from God because sinful anger is sin. And sin always alienates us from God in our fellowship. And it alienates you from people. Nobody cares very much for an angry people. Don't want to be around them all that much. Okay? So I'll keep you at a distance because every time I'm around you, you're just angry. It dramatically affects your health. You want to die of, you know, cortisol buildup and plaque and heart attack and blah, blah. I got a whole, I could read you a list. Because when the adrenal glands kick out all that cortisol saying, it's time for action, it's time to aggress something, and you don't aggress anything, then it just sits there and goes, well, what do I do now? Oh, I think I'll go over here and eat the pancreas for a while. And no kidding, you know, they get all that, the, the fat reserves throw out energy. We need energy because we're, we're about to aggress something. And then we don't aggress anything and all that sugar just kind of sits there and goes off to the liver and you're killing yourself. Oh, the impact of sinful anger is it becomes the model for others. Proverbs 22. This, this would be worth writing down. Proverbs 22, the smart guy, you know, Solomon, full of these little one-liners that just make you think. And Proverbs, not Psalms, which looks a lot like it. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one who is easily angered. Or you may learn his ways and yourself get ensnared. Smart man says, you know, the more you hang around angry people, the more you become like angry people. The more you hang around angry people, well, okay, there's angry people everywhere. We live in an angry world. You're not going to avoid them. But he says, don't make it your closest relationships if you can't help it. Because the more times you sit across them at Chubby's on Friday morning, the more angry you're going to get. Oh, oh, oh. Did you see the flip side of this one? There's those poor kids who say, I don't get to choose my family. I don't get to choose my friends. I'm stuck in this house. And, and poor old you know, Solomon says to them, please don't make friends with a hot-tempered dad <laughs> or you will become easily angered. Uh, don't get too close to him or you'll learn his ways and you'll be ensnared just like him. That's an impact of sinful anger. And we don't like it. Oh, one other thing, and I didn't put it up there. Uh, it'll always make you like the devil. Revelation 12, 12 says, Satan is angry. He's angry because he knows his time is short. Satan is angry. Oh, so 
When you become sinfully angry, it's about the person, not the problem. You become a whole lot like Satan. So, what do I have to do to have righteous anger? Okay, here's the list. I wrote it down, no fill in the blanks. Maybe you can add some comments if you want. Be angry. <laughs> but be angry at the things that make God angry. And so a good reading of the scripture and a good knowledge of God will help us figure out what that is. But it's going to be evil and injustice. Be angry. Be slow to anger. We see that God is slow to anger. James tells us we too should be slow to anger. We might run the list. Is this worth my attention? Does this, is my anger justified? Do I have the right or the abilities to change the situation? If I don't, walk away. Control your expression of anger. God will always provide a way of escape. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says he's not going to let Jim put you in a situation where you will have to sinfully be angry. He says, no, won't do it. I may let Jim put you in that situation, but I will always provide a way of escape for you if you're looking for it. Okay? Choose to control it. I can't. It's out of control. Oh, that's a lie. Okay? I, let's see. It's, it's Friday afternoon. You and your husband are really getting into it. At your house, the trash, the kids. If you would only, and then all of a sudden you see Pastor Dale pull up in front and walk up the front to do a visit. Bet you change just like that. Kink, kink. Hey, Pastor Dale! You can control it. You can control it. I can control it. Because we do it all the time. When we want to. Okay? And then release it quickly. Uh, Ephesians 4 says, don't let the sun go down in your anger. Okay, okay. literally, maybe. Maybe it'd be good to get to the end of every day and make sure I've emptied that out. But at least don't let a prolonged season go because love arrives slowly and leaves quickly. I mean, uh, anger arrives slowly and leaves quickly. What do you do when anger is sinful? Well, you own it as sin. Now that we understand a little bit more about what sinful anger may be and what it looks like, I need to recognize it and confess it and repent. Choose to walk away from it. I need to forgive others because Get rid of all anger is predicated on by being kind and compassionate to one another and forgiving one another. Ephesians 4.32. Right after 31, get rid of it. He tells you how to do it. Forgive people. Discuss the anger with other people. James 5.16 says, confess your sins one to another. There's healing in that. Sometimes it would be good to just have someone or maybe a group of someones that you can just come and say, anger is kicking my rear end. Help me walk through this. And the admission of that and the sharing of that is a way of having healing. Avoid close relationships with angry people. See Proverbs 22. Ask forgiveness of those who have been victims of your anger. Because if it was sinful and somebody else got burned, you need to go ask them to forgive you for burning them. Work to solve the problem, not the person. You can kill them, that will, but work to solve the problem that triggered the anger. What anger is, what, what action is appropriate. And you know, I'm sorry, you won't, I don't like this, but you know, the biggest source of me, me focused sinful anger is my unresolved issues. And Jesus is all about my unresolved issues. Anger is a part of everyone's life. 
very often it hinders God in pouring love into your life and then pouring it out of your life. And the greatest of these is love. No one can meet our deepest need except God. So much of our anger is centered around, I need you to make me feel good about me. And when you don't make me feel good about me, and I don't feel good about me, then I just have to be angry. And as soon as you and as, as you and I can progressively get to understand where no one but God can meet your deepest need, it'll make it a lot less necessary to be angry at others. Love is not easily angered. 1 Corinthians 13.5 Love is not easily irritated. Love is not easily provoked. Sometimes it will be. Because sometimes there is a problem that needs to be addressed and fixed. And it might take anger. But sometimes you and I are just too easily provoked. Love is not easily provoked. God hates sin. But he did something about it. He solved the problem. Thankfully, God solved the problem instead of attacking the person. Because if God had not had righteous anger and it attacked the person, this room would be empty. But he didn't do that. Because righteous anger always addresses the problem. And the problem was sin. And Jesus took care of sin. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. And the bucket, and you've all got them. You all brought them with you. Some of your buckets are prettier than other buckets. But most all of us have brought some bucket of some size of anger. Oh, and associated younger brother, the list of wrongs. Because you go everywhere with them, and they go everywhere with you. But maybe, maybe this is the day when you wave the old white flag and say, God, <laughs> I'd really like to just kind of leave this right here and let Dominic clean it up tomorrow. I'll raise the white flag and I'll surrender. Because you see, surrender that you're gonna, we're going to sing about here in a moment, surrender is releasing my right to have the bucket of sinful anger. Well, then what do I do with all those horrible feelings inside of me? Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Why don't you stand with me, please? Let me pray. And as I pray, there's a part I pray for you. And then there's a part I'd like to have you in your heart and mind pray along with me. And then we're going to sing, raising the white flag, talk about surrender. Maybe this is the time when you need to surrender to Jesus, period. 
Jesus, if you really are the answer to all of that internal thing that's going on inside of me, if you're what I need to be able to release my sinful anger, then I need to come up there and tell Pastor Jim. So someone can help me with that. Let's pray. Father, it's really sad. But it's true that we often get angry at the people we love the very most. Those we are closest to. That's because we forget that you, oh God, are the source of all we need and no one else. Jesus, help us to remember that when we expect anyone other than you to meet our deepest need, we're going to be disappointed and will probably become angry. Father, I'm certain that there are many people here who are struggling with anger due to hurt or frustration or fear. Help them. Help them to experience hope and healing today. Now please consider mind with me like this. Dear God, I admit that I have a problem with my anger and I need your help. Today, with your help, I am resol- I'm resolving to learn how to properly manage my anger. I'm very aware of the way my anger has hurt others. Please forgive me for trying to control things and then getting angry when I can't. Help me to reflect, to be slow to anger. Help me to learn to release my anger appropriately and quickly. Help me change the way I think. Jesus, today I open my life completely to you. And if this is my first time, Lord, to recognize this, please come into my life and save me. For all of us, change me.